The trees in Heartwood Forest are hiding an ancient secret, a door into a magical realm where fairy princes and monsters are one and the same. 17-year-old Arya is bored of her small town and dreams of a life filled with excitement and adventure. She's about to learn the meaning of be careful what you wish for. After a chilling encounter at the local summer fair, Arya is ripped from her normal life and dragged through the veil into the fair realm by a strange silver-eyed boy and his band of fairy soldiers. They believe she's the legendary fair queen, the subject of a prophecy that promises to unite the war-ravaged realm and bring an end to the centuries-long conflict between the five kingdoms. But it can't be true, can it? Beset by terrifying creatures at every turn and hunted by a tyrannical king who will stop at nothing to prevent the prophecy from coming true, Arya will have to rely on her wits if she's to escape the fair realm with her life. Entering the portal in three, two, one. Welcome to Through the Portal podcast, your speculative fiction book club. All right. Hey, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to Through the Portal podcast. Um, My name is Alyssa Markins. I'm the author of Perilous Star. I'm here with Chio Bossi, whose book, Faye Found, is going to be releasing in October. And today we are introducing, interviewing, maybe introducing to you if you haven't heard (laughs) of her book yet, Lindsay Hall. Lindsay is an author who is based in England. Her debut novel, The Fair Queen, released in August 2020. And she loves to write and explore British folklore in her novels. So we are very excited to interview her today. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining us. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor. All right, so we have some questions for you about your book. I'm about 10 chapters in right now, so I haven't finished, and we're going to be talking about spoiler questions a little bit later. So if you haven't read the book yet and you want to avoid the spoilers, we'll let you know when they're coming so you can finish reading the book and then come back. I unfortunately will just have to deal with it. But first, we're going doing non-spoiler questions. So what inspired the idea for The Fair Queen? Um, well, the first thing um, that came to me was the setting. Uh, we just moved to um, a small village that's sort of on the edge of Sherwood Forest in Nottinghamshire here in the UK. And um, we got a dog around the same time. So I, I would take the dog out for walks in what's basically the most famous forest in the whole country and it just felt like such a magical inspiring place and like visions of the story just kind of started coming to me um so yeah it was definitely the setting that came before any kind of plot or characters interesting um how did that kind of like develop out into the whole book like was it from the setting, you kind of got an idea for who would live there, or I would just love to hear more about that. Yeah, I think it, it definitely kind of went setting characters plot, um, because I started thinking, well, you know, there's some trees that kind of meet and entwine into each other. Maybe that could be like a portal through to another realm and what kind of people or creatures would live there. So I started looking into local um, legends and myths and things just around like the British Isles and thinking, well, you know, there's fairy people live, the fae kind of, the fairer kind of a spin on the fae. Um, and then what kind of creatures would 
you know, live in the fair realm? And then who could we follow as they stumble across this other realm and discover the world kind of alongside us? Um, yeah, so it kind of went like that. And then the plot gradually came as I sort of learned who the characters were and what they would do and what might happen. That's really cool. That's a cool process. I think it's probably different to most people's. <laughs> I was just going to say, I feel like I have a very similar world building process. So I love that it kind of comes to you that way too, because it's it's such a fun way to see the world around you. Um, you said that you, like a lot of this was inspired by British folklore. I was, I don't know if this would fall into spoilers or not. I don't think it would but if it does let me know are there any like British folklore things that you researched that like really just inspired you for this book I think the things like um like Banshee um which it's not technically a spoiler there's a scene um <laughs> where they come across a Banshee um and other creatures like the Selkies that are in the river um which I've actually written a spin-off story about called Daughter of the Selkie Ooh. King um yeah I just I, I found them really interesting to sort of think this is the traditional tale as to how they came about or what they do and you know who they are how could I kind of twist that to suit the world that I'm creating so in my fair realm the way that the realm was created was by um a really incredibly powerful member of the fair centuries ago um who used her magic to sort of separate away an, an area of the world that they could all move into and live um it was sort of around the time of witch hunting so they were kind of being persecuted so she created this place where they'd all be sort of safe and secure um but how could that negatively impact on certain people and certain animals that were in the area that she did that in so the magic that she's used um is so powerful that it did end up corrupting some humans and animals which in that world is how these creatures like the banshee and the bar guests and things came about from people dogs you know just creatures that were living in that area that then were corrupted by the magic in a dark way even though she wasn't using it as a dark purpose Wow, that's so cool. Just a <laughs> glimpse into the way that you've thought through all of that is so awesome. Um, <laughs> to my twisted mind. <laughs> what do you do to get inside like your characters' heads? So I guess as you're writing and then even I guess as you were creating the story. Yeah, I do. I find it really difficult to get inside my characters, to be honest. Um, so the first thing that I have to do is know them really, really well. So I've got a Bible, um, just like a document online with all the notes about all the characters, all of the creatures, the even like the flora and fauna of the world of what, what would be there. So for my characters, um, I kind of go through and I have a look at what their archetype might be, like the Jungian archetype, what um, star sign they might be. Um, I know your book is all inspired about the zodiac. Um, I don't know as much as you do, but I kind of do have a look at like, you know, what what would their characteristics be if they were this zodiac sign? Um, and all the usual stuff like height and eye color and things just to kind of know when I'm writing about that character. 
what how would their sort of height affect what they can or can't do or reach or that kind of thing or what how they move through the world like how other characters would respond to them you know um but yeah it is I find it quite challenging <laughs> to get inside a character set for book one it's all in Arya the main character's point of view um which wasn't as difficult because I have been a 17 year old girl from the real world, but in book two, I'm currently writing um, and it's going to be dual point of view with Xander, um, the fair prince from the from book one. Um, and that's a bit more a bit more challenging to kind of get into his headspace because I have not been a male fairy. <laughs> really? Are you sure? <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Maybe in a past life. <laughs> No, I love that. I do something really similar with my character development. Um, I, I literally have an article on my blog all about how you can use the Zodiac to like do so much in your story, even beyond just like personality, exactly what you were talking about. So just super, super relate to that. So you were saying that um, characters are kind of like hard for you to get into. How do you go about um, developing plot? <laughs> Another difficult one. I think world building is genuinely my forte. That's my comfort zone. I absolutely love coming up with all the ideas for places and, uh, and things within that world. And then it's it comes time to actually sit down and start coming up with the ideas for the plot. Um, but I think I take inspiration from a lot of different sources. So obviously the Fair Queen is quite a traditional fairy tale. Um, so it was inspired by um, other sort of very classic, like high epic fantasy stories, even though it's a second world portal fantasy. Um, but one of my other sort of work in progress is I was thinking um, I'd really like to write something sort of set, a historical setting. So it's like Victorian times. Um, it would be really interesting to kind of look at like the Burke and Hare, grave robbing type thing. Um, and I was struggling to come up with how all the pieces that I wanted to fit in came together. And then I listened to a couple of different podcasts and they just absolutely filled in the gaps and slotted it together. And one of them was just a reading of an Edgar Allan Poe, um, you know, a gothic short story. Um, and then the other was a BBC Sounds podcast where they'd taken HP Lovecraft's story world and made a podcast that was along the lines of an investigative journalist podcast, but within like a sci-fi story so you're following this person and they're it's really cool um it comes across like really realistic and they're talking to you and making this podcast but then these like fantastical things start happening and it just it filled in all the gaps that's so cool it, it doesn't sound like these things would go together at all but just different pieces from the different genres and different like yeah. schools um yeah just really helps so I think yeah I take in a lot of inspiration from myself outside in different places and piece it together that's awesome um I guess getting more into just like your your journey within yourself um through this whole process has writing and publishing a book changed the way you see yourself 
Yeah, I think it definitely has done. Um, when I first started writing The Fair Queen, I think I was looking for um, a project to kind of focus on because we were going through quite a hard time at the time. Um, me and my husband had been trying for a baby and we were struggling for a while. Um, and I just, I think I needed something to take my mind off of it. So I just got you know, the inspiration from walking the dog around the woods and thought, I could write a book. I'm sure I could do that. I'll have to research into how. But I, uh, yeah, I just kind of thought, there's no reason why, why not me? Why I couldn't yeah. do that? Other people do it, you know? I'm I'm going to have a look and see how I could actually do that. So I, I read a lot of um, blogs and articles online as to how to sort of craft story and piece together plots and all that sort of thing. And um and just sort of sat down and did it but I think that was back in 2016 when I first started writing it um and just seeing yourself persevere to the yeah. end of a project and complete it the feeling of sort of achievement um it does it I think it does it it helps you to see yourself as someone who's actually determined and can complete things and yeah uh, it really did it changed the way that I saw myself and now I you know I don't feel like there's anything out there that I couldn't do if I really wanted to I could knuckle down and work on anything oh my gosh I love that I love everything about what you just said that was yeah absolutely yeah but we do have a little boy now so it was a success story as well <laughs> I did end up getting pregnant. <laughs> congratulations glad to hear that too <laughs> that's awesome well, we're going to transition into our lightning round part of the podcast. So I'm going to ask you a few questions and you're just going to give the answer as quickly as you can. Um, and we'll go from there into the spoiler section and start getting into more of the details about your book. But are you ready? Yes. Okay. How long have you been writing or when did you start writing? Uh, seriously, 2016. So about five years. What advice would you give to a writer working on their first book? Write what you would love to read, even if you don't think anybody else will. Good. Because they will. Someone will. Someone will. <laughs> Which of the characters do you relate to the most? I think probably Arya, the main character, because um, I had to live inside her head for so long. How many books have you written and which one is your favorite if you've written more than one? Um, well, I'm currently working on book two and I've written a couple of short stories. Um, but I think The Fair Queen, just because it was it was my first one, it was special. It was my book baby. This is a follow-up one. Um, when you publish book two, do you think you're going to like it more than book one? <laughs> I am really enjoying working on it and it, it does take quite a lot of sort of dark, deep, turns so I think maybe potentially it gets a bit grissy okay um how long did it take you to write the fair queen uh well I started writing it in September 2016 and then I discovered NaNoWriMo and I churned out quite a lot of it then and I finished the first draft in January but from starting writing it to actually getting it all edited and published four years Okay. So about four months, right? <laughs> yeah, and then four years, actually. Yeah. 
what um oh would you and your main character get along if you met in real life I think so yes in like a big sister little sister annoying but gets along really kind of way <laughs> are you more of a plotter or a panther more of a plotter somewhere in between but definitely leaning more towards plotter I, I like a really good outline um where of where it's going to go and then I can kind of change in the middle but yeah more plotter than panther what music do you play while you write if you listen to music? Um, I've, since Taylor Swift released Folklore, it's been 100% Folklore and Evermore. <laughs> they were what I listened to entirely whilst I was editing The Fair Queen last year. Um, and then I do, I just find the vibe so perfect for this world. So maybe it'll change with future books, but at the moment it's mainly Taylor Swift. That's amazing. If you could meet your characters, what would you say to them? Oh my god. <laughs> Don't betray her. Is this the spoilery section? <laughs> Not quite, but we're getting to it. Oh my gosh, I have so many questions now. <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, and then who has been the biggest supporter of your writing? everyone's been so supportive I have to be honest there's not really anyone who when I said I'm, I'm writing a book or I want to write a book that kind of looked at me like that's crazy what are you doing everyone was like that's amazing I want to read it when it's finished um and most people I know have bought it and most have read it if they've bought it some haven't um but yeah everyone's been really incredibly supportive and obviously my husband whilst we've got you know dogs and a child he's having to sort of um be there a lot whilst I'm like I'm writing now so I'm gonna I'm gonna say my husband for those reasons I love that it's always it makes me really happy when um people say that they have a like big support group around them um, because I just, I think everyone should support more creative work. And I love that you have that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, a lot of my friends um, and family did what well, they like, beta read the first draft. And it's changed a lot since they kind of read the first one. Um, but yeah. they all liked it. They told me they liked it. <laughs> awesome. All right. So now we are getting solidly into the spoiler section of this podcast. So once again, if you haven't read the book all the way through, this is your warning. Go finish reading it, then come back and listen to the rest of this because we're going to get into some good details here. All right. Um, what part of your book was the most fun for you to write? I actually found that I really liked writing the kind of action, dark, you know, eventful scenes. So um, have you gotten to the chapter with the Banshee attack yet, Alyssa? I've read the whole book, so. <laughs> she, she knows all the things. Yeah. I have to deal with it, but. <laughs> the, whole, um, the whole chapter with the festival of the fair queen yeah. um and the dancing and then the banshee attack is my absolute favorite part of the book um i read chapter 14 if i have to do a book reading for anyone which at my launch party that my friends threw me during lockdown they made me sit and read it for them and videoed it so that was fun <laughs> but that yeah i think i didn't expect to like writing um kind of action me and you know violent almost scenes as much as I do I don't know what that says about me they're fun 
They they are fun. They're fun. Um, (laughs) They are. They're fun. (laughs) What would you say is the maybe most significant way that your book has changed since the first draft? I think it would be that um, this is going to be a spoiler for you. Sorry, Alyssa. Oh, well, for everyone. (laughs) Um, Quaid was originally a set of twins. So there were the the youngest um, Alexander Prince was twins, non-identical twins. Um, And the other twin was the one that dies. Sorry, listen. Um, and he was also, he had a romantic connection to um, one of Arya's Salamander sisters. Interesting. And, and so he was writing a, a love letter to um, the sister. And there was a whole conversation about how he was, you know, in love with this other member of the pair because they're not supposed to have relationships in between and it's kind of frowned upon um and he he had fallen in love with this salamander and you know Arya kind of told him you you should go for it you know you need to love who you love and be with who you want to be with um and then he died (laughs) and there was um, a a scene where Arya had the note the love letter with her when she got to the salamander castle towards the end and um, that I was going to do a whole thing where the sister Lark found it, and in book two there was sort of a confrontation where she said, "You know, I found this letter. Why did you have it? You knew he had died." Blah blah blah. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's probably the biggest change from draft one to the publication. Why did all of that come out? Like that's so <laughs> yeah, well like- thought out. <laughs> Um, but the thing was that there were a lot of them there were a lot of characters and so I think it did become a bit confusing and unnecessary so my editor suggested combining the two twins um, and then it just kind of made it difficult Mm -hmm. for the rest to stay in the story and and still tie up the loose ends Um, so I decided to cut that but yeah I I am sad about that part it was a good plot line that's wow that's I was not expecting that. That's yeah. That's like a whole other book right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've written um most of book two. I've written it before editing the Fair Queen. So now I've got quite a few bits to snip out whilst mm. I'm editing that. Yeah. Gotta love the editing process. <laughs> um, but like speaking of, I mean, basically having a whole other book story within your book that was there. If you could write a spinoff about any of your characters, which one would you pick? What would the spinoff be? I did um, originally start writing a novella that was from Jasper's point of view. So following him when he went to his date with the donut van guy um, and then how he came back and Arya was gone and how he bumped into her brother and the salamander soldiers and got whisked away into the Far Realm to sort of follow her. Um, But I haven't finished that, but I have published a couple or yeah, I've published a couple of short stories that are sort of set in the world. Daughter of the Selkie King is in the anthology Enchanted Waters, and that follows mm. characters that are kind of briefly mentioned when they're in the Undine Kingdom, the Water Magic Kingdom. Um, and then I wrote a sort of prequel novella explaining how Xander, um, his 
parents, the now gnome king and queen, first originally met and fell in love, and it's kind of like a Cinderella-inspired little novelette. It's really cute. <laughs> I think there's so much there, though, that I could kind of pick out different characters and write them little short stories or their own series even. So I, I don't, it, this definitely won't be the last thing that I write in this world, just because I think there's so much more to explore. It's definitely a very well-developed world. Um, you have like the the five kingdoms. I don't remember all the names. I know there's the gnome, salamander, celeste, sylph, and then what was the fifth one? Undine, the water fairies. Yeah. That one. If you could put yourself in any one of those five kingdoms, yeah. one, um, which one do you think you'd fit in the best with? Oh, fit in the best with, oh. Um. I really want to say salamander. <laughs> um, I just think that would be really cool. So um, for anyone who's not, well, if you haven't read the book, yet, you shouldn't be listening to the spoiler section. However, if you haven't, um, that each of the five kingdoms has like a different level of technology advancement kind of thing. So as the further you kind of get away from the portal through to the realm, the more there kind of is technology which you won't know yet Alyssa but as you get to like the Celeste Kingdom they're pretty advanced with technology whereas the Gnome Kingdom is very much like a medieval like that kind of world yeah yeah so Sal world building things in the book that part was <laughs> I loved it yeah I, I think it was a bit confusing <laughs> it was a bit confusing at first for people that were like oh all of a sudden there's these things and they weren't in that what's happening and yeah the as you read more hopefully it becomes clearer that the different fair have different uh, yeah technology available to them but yeah so salamander is is quite is quite um advanced compared to gnome so there's yeah they use fire and they have like like steel city like factories and things and motorbikes okay. and it's a bit more advanced so yeah i think that would be cool so amazing. I love it when people mix like technology with fantasy. It's not something that I read a whole lot of or that I see a lot of in books, but I love it when it happens. Yeah, I, I really wanted to show sort of a variety of what a fantasy world can be like that isn't just the sort of medieval yeah. Europe inspired world, you know, like Game of Thrones and things where there's like, there's no reason why they wouldn't have picked up some of the technology that the human realm had by now so it was like who would have that and who would reject it yeah um can you share a little bit more about your plans for the sequel yeah <laughs> so I'm, I've been rewriting the beginning at the moment <laughs> um as to how and why they kind of end up back in the fair realm um because when I first wrote the fair queen it was one of those where I, I, I did query agents, so I did try to sort of have it traditionally published. Um, and it, it went reasonably well, got some really polite rejections, um, and then ultimately decided to self-publish it. But I'd written it so that if needs be, it could be a standalone. Yeah. So the ending, they kind of go home. It's, yeah. it's not like a cliffhanger. I tried to wrap it up while still leaving it open to carry on. Um, so then the challenge was, why would they go back now? Um, so I'm writing um, a scene 
where they've been invited back to attend a ball because things have calmed down so much. You know, there's no been no sightings of the Celeste King, so there's no sort of danger, so they believe, obviously incorrectly. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a nice glittering fey ball for everyone to attend, and then obviously within pages the violence kicks off. So. I shouldn't have asked that question because <laughs> it's not out, so I can't just go read it. I have to wait. Yeah, not too long. January it'll be out. Oh, exciting. Okay. For anyone listening, that's good to know. Uh, it's up for pre-order at the moment. What was that? It's up for pre-orders at the moment if anybody has already read The Fair Queen. Ooh. I was just about to ask that. Oh, yeah, it is. available. <laughs> Awesome. So go pre-order that sequel if you've read The Fair Queen. And if you haven't read The Fair Queen and then order the sequel because it sounds completely epic. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm going to ask one more question before we get into our last question. But what do you think was the or what was the hardest part of the book for you to write? It was probably in the sort of aftermath of um, when Quaid dies mm-hmm. um it was how to sort of portray that they wanted to respect um you know his death and honor it whilst also needing to carry on with their journey and and how um would each of the different fair sort of do that what would their sort of funeral process be um so I kind of created different methods of burial for each of the different fair kingdoms. Um, so the gnomes are obviously very earthy and natural and they just kind of, they bury people so that they can return to the earth. And, um, and then I tried to write a kind of funeral dirge for them to sing and that was terrible. I'm not a songwriter at all. So that got cut immediately. <laughs> But hopefully it's still quite a emotional scene whereby they are kind of, yeah, saying their last goodbyes to their brother, really. But it was, yeah, it was difficult to write. Yeah. Which, as an aside, I loved that because I wasn't sure if this was going to be one of those books where, like, nothing really happens to the main character. Like, you know, there's, I feel like there's two schools of thought. There's people who are like, no, the core group is sacred. And then there's people who are like, no, this is real life. And so I think with that scene, I would, until that point, I was like, I can't tell really like which camp we're in. And then that happened and the aftermath, I just really loved that part of the book. It was really emotional for me, so. Yeah, thank you. That means a lot. I look forward to getting my heart torn out. (laughs) I know. I'm so sorry. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So our last question for you before we wrap this interview up is if you would share something about yourself that your readers don't know about you yet. That's really difficult because I think I'd probably tell everyone everything. (laughs) I'm a really open book, (laughs) especially on Instagram. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I speak Spanish because I studied languages at school and university. So I did a master's in Spanish translation um, that I have never used. So that's fun to know. Speak that into (laughs) a book. 
Yeah, well, I could do, yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it's useful for, occasionally we've had clients at work where they've sent a Spanish document through, so I've had to translate, but I'm a marketing person in my real life. So yeah, it doesn't apply so much. People were just like, are you going to be a Spanish teacher? Um, and I just thought, no, no, thank you. I'm just doing this because I quite like languages. But I think that applies. I think that kind of slots right into being a writer, you know, studying words and in different cultures and different languages. It it all kind of fed the creativity. Yeah. Well, that's how Tolkien was. He loved languages and then created a world because he wanted to create a language that is needed to fit into a world so yeah. I think but, that's one thing that whilst it sounds amazing I don't think I could ever do it I don't think I could create a whole language it would be difficult for sure <laughs> yeah. I think that's one step too far <laughs> for me he's just a little bit beyond that um well thank you so much Lindsay for joining us today if you could let us know um where to find you on social media and where we can buy your book that would be amazing. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty much everywhere online. <laughs> um, I'm at Lindsay Hall on Instagram and at Lindsay Hall underscore on Twitter, but I, I'm not on Twitter very much. Um, and I've got a Facebook group called Lindsay Hall's Fair Folk. Uh, yeah, my website's lindsayhallwrites.com. Um, and then my books are on Amazon and they're enrolled in Kindle Unlimited. So if you're a Kindle Unlimited member, you can grab them. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for those of you listening to this podcast for sticking around with us. Make sure you go follow Lindsay and buy her book, The Fair Queen. And if you have thoughts on it that you want to be featured on this podcast, go to our website and you can submit those via audio or text. And we would love to share those live on our next recording that we do coming up at the end of the month. So thank you again, Lindsay. Thank you. Thank Chi. you so much for having me. Yes. Thank you for coming on. It's been really great to get to talk to you and hear more about kind of the person behind the fair queen. <laughs> yes. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe, and we will talk to you later. Bye. 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 <laughs>